0: Well, today we are concluding our journey through Joshua. Uh, In some ways, it is a relief to get to the end of Joshua, uh, because we have been through this journey of battles and warfare, uh, but we have also been through these incredible stories of grace and forgiveness at the same time. Uh, this, This study through Joshua is one of my favorites as we think about God's call to be strong and courageous, uh, to be confident in the power of God, to to rest in His control and power, to to rest in what He is doing, to trust in what He is doing. That, That through all things, God is present, and God is at work. That God is with us. And so the story of Joshua is so powerful. We have the story of, of Rahab sheltering the spies and, and being the first to, to confess the power of God. And we see that power of God being, being demonstrated through the stopping of the Jordan so that they can walk through on dry land. We see the battle of Jericho that is the most ridiculous fight in history, but they win because God is the one fighting. Then there's the story of Achan that is this horrible story of sin, but but packed in that story is this infinite forgiveness of God, that God is with us. There are these renewals of the covenant between God and between the Israelites, and it reminds us of our own covenant relationship with God. We're reminded of our baptism and the relationship that we have with him. Through the story of Joshua, we see the realities of spiritual warfare, that there is still a battle that wages on, and it calls our people to be a people of prayer in the midst of that warfare. We see God conquering all kings and being the king of kings. And in Joshua's farewell, he's he's reminding the people to be on guard, be on guard for the influences of the world. And then in Joshua's final call to the people, he says, choose this day who you will serve. Choose who you will serve. This story of Joshua is a great setup to our season of Advent that we're starting on December 3rd. As we look at a second Joshua that comes in to demonstrate God with us. Let's pray together. God, I pray that you will bless this time in the word, that you will continue to speak to us, that you will continue to inspire us, that you will continue to challenge us to be your disciples, to be your followers. And so, God, give us ears to hear this morning. Amen. So, we'll be in Joshua chapter 24, starting in verse 29, if you want to be turning there. Joshua 24, 29 through 33. We've had this epic story that now comes to a conclusion, and this is a, a bit of an epilogue to the whole story. These final words, this final conclusion that we have. Let's read together verse 29. After these things, Joshua, son of Nun, the servant of the Lord, died at the age of and And 10. And they buried him in the land of his inheritance, in the hill country of Ephraim, north of Mount Gash. Israel served the Lord throughout the lifetime of Joshua and the elders who outlived him and who had experienced everything the Lord had done for Israel. And Joseph's bones, which the Israelites had brought up from Egypt, were buried at Shechem in the tract of land that Jacob bought for a hundred pieces of silver from the sons of Hamor, the father of Shechem. This became the inheritance of Joseph's descendants. And Eleazar, son of Aaron, died and was buried in Gibeah, which had been allotted to his son Phinehas in the hill country of Ephraim. And this concludes the book of Joshua. It's a bit of tying up loose ends and and giving a a, a final close here. And oftentimes these are the kinds of passages that we just kind of skip over because uh, they just seem kind of boring. We've had a few of those, right? Where where you go through a list of kings or you go through a genealogy or you go through just what seems to be nuts and bolts, tying up loose ends and, and thinking, okay, let's move on to the next thing. But we pause one final time today to look at these three burial stories. These, these reports of an end of a historical era. This is, a, this is an important time here that is, is marking the end of the conquest and settlement in Canaan. And it's preparing the reader for the next era. This next era that goes into the, the book of Judges. Which we see as, as, as a space that heads into a very dark time of disobedience. So here is this transition moment. And in these three burial reports, they're, they're focusing on the heroes of the story. We've got Joshua, who is the hero of the story, it's giving special honor to him and, and also honor to the high priest, Eleazar. And he's the one who led this Exodus generation into the fulfillment of God's promises. And then inserted in between the two of these is this incredible commitment to the promise of of Joshua that his bones would be buried in the promised land. They've been carrying around Joseph's bones all of this time. From the time that he died, from their time of slavery, to the time of Exodus, to the time of wandering, to the time of settlement, and now Joseph's bones are finally laid to rest in the promised lands where it was promised that he would be buried. And so by including Joseph in the story of Joshua, there is this bookend connection between the Exodus and the settlement of the land. This is all one grand plan that God is working out. There isn't a lot of detail in here, there isn't a lot to be said, but but this, these few verses are important verses that elevate who the heroes of the story are. And give us this conclusion that says God's plan has been fulfilled. God has been faithful to his promises. Now, Joshua is first identified, of course, as the son of Nun, but then it says that he is the servant of the Lord. This is the first time Joshua is given this great honor of a title. He is Joshua, a servant of the Lord. Previously, he'd been ta- he had been titled Moses' aide. He's gone from Moses' aide, his, his sidekick, his assistant, to now being a servant of the Lord. And this is a great honor that is given to him. It's an honor that was given to Moses at Moses' death. And now it's an honor that is given to Joshua at his death, this title of servants of the Lord. These are the only two leaders who receive this honor, this title. Now, another statement of honor for Joshua is that Israel served the Lord during his entire lifetime. How rare is that in all of Scripture to say that there was an entire generation of people that in his entire time of leadership, Israel served the Lord. We certainly see that come unraveled in Judges. But for now, we see that Joshua led in a time where the people were faithful to serve the Lord. Now, Eleazar is the high priest. He is the son of Aaron, and he is one that that showed up in chapters that we kind of skipped over. In the settlement of the land, he is the one who is presiding over that. In chapters 14 and 17, 19, 21, 22, he is playing a key role in the distribution of land for the people. And so now he has this place of honor as well in the concluding verses. He's the successor of Aaron. Joshua is the successor of Moses. And so with their deaths and burials, there is a generation of Israelite leadership who is now passed, now into a new era, a new time. And the book remembers the, the incredible legacy that they left behind, this conquest of Canaan, the distribution of lands this important role that they have played. Now what's interesting here is as the story unfolds, there's not a lot of detail, but it's not a sad scene. It's not this scene of mourning. It's not uh, not dark. There's this peacefulness and serenity to what is happening here, especially compared to the rest of Joshua that is full of battles and and Joshua's warnings about watch out, (laughs) Don't, don't marry into the people, don't associate with the people. And so there's this sense of peace here, but there is this shadow that looms. As we continue to read the story, we get into Judges where the people fall away, and there's this gradual downward spiral of the people wandering away from God, eventually leading to the Babylonian exile in First and Second Kings. And eventually we see in the story of scripture this new Joshua, this servant of the Lord who comes in to fulfill God's plan for history, to, to igno- inaugurate in a new kingdom that would not be limited by, by physical boundaries or by human death. And we celebrate him in December. So these burial reports, while on the surface, seem a bit boring carry a lot of weight. They remind us of the reality of death. Joshua dies. Joseph dies. Eleazar dies. But it's a reminder of the importance of having heroes and being heroes of faith. This listing of Joshua and Joseph and Eleazar as heroes of faith reminds us of Hebrews chapter 11 that has this this great story of of all of the heroes of faith, this this hall of fame of those who are faithful. And after, after listing out all of these great heroes of faith, the Hebrew writer in chapter 12 verse 1 says, Therefore, since we're surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses... Let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God." Consider him who endures such opposition from sinners so that you will not grow weary or lose heart. We have these stories of death and burial and these stories of great heroes of faith. We see in Joshua and Joseph and Eleazar these examples of ones who ran the race with perseverance, with lives that brought glory and honor to God. And we look at this and we, we see this death as a topic that we tend to avoid, we we don't talk about death. We don't really want to. We we don't want to have these conversations. Uh, Laura was asking me uh, what I was preaching about today, and I said, "Death." We're just going to talk about death, and she looked at me like, "Really? Like you better recheck that outline of yours." Like we don't want to talk about death. There's not a lot of worship songs about that, and so. But death is one of these realities of life, right? We, we, we're confronted with it face-to-face when we have a loved one that passes away, and then we, we're, we're stuck in this reality of death. Or maybe we get that diagnosis where there is risk of death, and we're faced with our m- mortality. We're caring for, for aging relatives. We, we see family members. We see peers that we went to school with. And we see the reality of death. We still don't like to talk about it. But it's a reality for us. It's a topic that we don't really need to avoid. These three burial reports say that, say that death is a very real part of the story, that in all the great things that Joshua did, he died. In the life that Joseph lived, he died in the leadership that the Eleazar exhibited, he still died. And we're all one day closer to that same fate. And we don't really know when that day will be. And so what could be extremely saddening in death One of the realities that gives us hope and comfort is that in death, it does not divide the people from God. That the relationship with God continues to exist even beyond death. Now this Hebrew story gives us this this great end of life message. As we look at the lives that we live, it gives us this great scene of this Olympic race. These runners that are are running this race, and it is not a short track meet. It is a long-distance run full of obstacles and turns along the way. And there's this scene of running this race with endurance. And around this race, there is this great collection of fans cheering us on. And they're not in the distance, in the stands. They are as a cloud engulfing us. That these great heroes of faith that have gone on before us, they have run the race as well. And now here they are surrounding us and cheering us on and encouraging us and and calling us to focus on the prize. To focus on on where we are headed because at the end of this race there is this great finish line and at that finish line visible to everyone is this victor's throne and sitting on this victor's throne is someone waiting for each and everyone's arrival And as they race, they they fix their eyes clearly on him, the one seated on that throne. He is their hero. He is their inspiration. He is the one that they are running for. They look at the victor's throne, one who sits in the victory seat because he conquered the cruelest race ever. One who sits on the throne because he endured the jeering crowds, not the cheering crowds. He sits on the throne of victory because of a shameful crucifixion. Before rising again to take and claim that victor's throne. And so, Joshua and Joseph, and Eleazar, they have run this race, and now they are in that cloud of witnesses cheering the people on. They were running a life that was on course to honor and celebrate God, and they weren't at it alone. The book of Joshua reminds us that God is with us every step of the way, as we're running that race, as we're tripping on our face, as we're, we're falling and hurting and running out of breath, he is there with us. Along with that cloud of witnesses that cheer us on. These men here, Joshua and Joseph and eleazar are honored as heroes of faith. They are remembered as ones who ran the race well. And so who are your heroes of faith? Who are the ones that you look that are running the race ahead of you, who have completed the race? You see their perseverance, and it challenges us to do likewise. You see their examples, and it inspires us. But you also see that they sometimes stray, they sometimes fall, they sometimes trip. Some of them may have spent some time sitting on the sidelines because of despair and discouragement, but they gained their victory because of God's grace working to keep them in the race, forgiving them of their failures. Who are your heroes of faith? Who are the ones that you look to for inspiration, for encouragement? Having heroes is important having those ones who have run the race before you. Because life can trip us up. We can take those wrong turns. We can trip along the way. We can find ourselves in places of discouragement and despair where we really just want to sit on the sidelines and stop running altogether. It's time to hang up the running shoes and just call it a day. And we look at these heroes, we say, keep at it. Having heroes is important, but there's also a call to us to be thinking about how we can be a hero. How can you be a hero? Who's looking at you, watching you, being inspired by your faithfulness? being inspired by the race that you are running. Someone has said that most people spend their early years building up their resume, and then they spend their later years working on their obituary. As one passes those middle-aged years, there are some who begin to change their priorities from, from the pursuit of future success to the preparation of a legacy that's left behind. And so I don't know where each of us find ourselves in our age and this race that we're in. But all of us need to be looking beyond just the future successes, and we need to be preparing for the legacy that we're living behind. And that's true for all of us of any age. There are people looking. There are people watching. The youngest of ours... Are looking up to you. What inspiration do they receive? What heroes do they find? What kind of legacy are we leaving behind? Because Joshua and Joseph and Eleazar, they were leaving behind a legacy that brought honor and glory to God. Ones that left behind a generation that was faithfully serving God. What generation are we leaving behind? We're challenged to be heroes to others, challenged to be examples to those who are watching us. Modern heroes of faith live with an eye to the legacy that they're leaving behind to the next generation. They're preparing the next generation to be faithful followers of Christ. And so being that kind of hero requires us to be reprioritizing our lives, to to reprioritizing how our time, talent, and treasure is spent. That it's not about what we are accumulating, it's not about what we're succeeding at, it's not about what we are accomplishing, but it is what we are leaving behind. This is disciple-making. As we are called to make disciples, it is intentionally investing in others so that they will live out a life of faith in Christ. And so who are you being a hero for? Unfortunately, I feel like too many of us wear out before the race is over. We hang up our running shoes, we sit it out, we're discouraged, we've faced so many obstacles, so many disappointments, so many discouragements that we lose sight of the victor's throne and we lose sight of the legacy that we're leaving behind. We lose sight of those who are looking at us for inspiration, for encouragement, for guidance of what it means to live a life for Christ. Keep running the race. If you've stumbled, pick yourself up, dust yourself off, and keep on running. If you've been sitting on the sidelines, get up and start speed walking and then start running. Get back in the race, whatever it takes even if it's a little bit at a time. Because the world is in need of heroes. That's why Marvel has made so much money. (laughs) Because we want heroes. We want ones that we can celebrate, to look to, to be inspired by. And so will you invest in leaving a legacy for the next generation? Let's be standing together. We're going to spend some time in prayer and encouragement for one another. Uh, This is a time that you can come forward to one of the shepherds and uh, pray with them. You know, things things in your race that are tripping you up or slowing you down or discouraging you, shed that weight and pray with somebody today. Uh, This is a time where we can move around the room and pray with one another, for one another, encourage one another. Uh, Find somebody in your life group, find a family member, find somebody that you can pray with. Because that's part of the cloud of witnesses that is encouraging us to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus as we run this race together and encourage one another along the way. Let's pray together. God, we thank you for our hero, Jesus. We thank you for inspiring us by his life. God, for all of those heroes that have gone on before us, we we reflect on them and we remember them and we're encouraged by them now. God, for the things that are dragging us down, the things that are discouraging us, I pray that you will lighten that load so that we can run to you. It's in Jesus' name we pray, amen.